Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host Chris Anderson, here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast, helping attorneys improve their practices. We're glad you can listen today on the Legal Talk Network. I'm your host, Christopher Anderson. I'm a product manager at LexisNexis and formerly a managing partner and practicing attorney in a law firm in Athens, Georgia, as well as a former prosecutor in Athens and in New York City. I've been speaking to attorneys across the country about operating and managing their law firms more like a business, including helping them get paid. Today's episode of the Unbillable Hour is Lean Startup for Lawyers, and I'm honored to have my guest today, Scott Maloof. Scott Maloof helps other attorneys turn social media, text, and web-based information into evidence. He also creates legal strategies to reduce social media risks in litigation and business matters. He writes the social media law column for the New York Daily Record and tweets from at Scott Maloof, and that's S-C-O-T-T-M-A-L-O-U-F. Scott is an avid cook, he likes brandy, and doesn't get to ride his mountain bike nearly often enough. Today we're going to be talking to Scott about applying concepts from Lean Startup to law firm businesses. First of all, welcome, Scott. Hey, thanks to be here. Great. So tell us a little bit before we get started about applying Lean Startup to law firms. What Answer the question of what is Lean Startup. I think the easiest way to, to take in the idea of Lean Startup is that it's a method, one of many methods, but it's a method to increase the likelihood of success of any new venture. You know, it recognizes that new businesses make a lot of assumptions and that some of those assumptions will likely be false. And that false assumptions in a business plan lead to extra work and delay, both of which are more likely to lead to failure. So the concept behind Lean Startup is to test those assumptions rigorously and strip away anything that really doesn't get you to your end goal. And how is that different, you know, it, when you say testing assumptions, how is that different from the way that small businesses, including law firms, operated you know, outside of the lean construct? It's different in the sense that if you said to me, we're going to start a business and we'll put together a business plan, my focus would be creating the most detailed business plan and putting in assumptions and, and uh, estimates in there as to, you know, if we're starting a law firm, how many clients, what area, where, where might we locate ourselves? This process says, accept that a lot of those things are flawed, and what you're really trying to do is get down to a minimum value product. That means, you know, what's the smallest product that your client segment or your potential business will accept as something that you utilize? And so you're, instead of building out a huge law firm, maybe with 100 associates, maybe you'd need one with five, because they're delivering a minimum value product for only a certain set of services in a certain area. Okay, so in, in small businesses, what you're saying is instead of trying to figure out everything from soup to nuts for the next five years, um, you start with some initial pr- uh, assumptions and, and start testing those? That's exactly it. If you and I tried to put together a plan five years from now in the technology sphere, I think we'd both agree that's, that's really difficult because no one truly knows where that's going. But if we sat down and said, let's look at the next six months and let's look at something very small and throw out a number of assumptions, smaller assumptions, that would be a lot more likely to succeed and achieve our goals. 
I see. All right. So how you know? I think that makes sense, and how it would apply to to lots of businesses. Um, you know, if I want to create a certain widget, um, just really create. Uh, you know, try to find out what that what the minimum value I think is how you described it would be, and and test whether that would be successful rather than um, you know gearing up to build a hundred thousand of them first, right? Yeah, exactly. And also, you know, you said be successful. This is with law. It's a really specific. In the sense that um, clients really don't know what they want oftentimes. And that's not an insult to clients. It's just they come in with very complicated legal problems or even garden variety legal problems. And they want a resolution and they don't particularly know how to get there. And that's where, you know, the law firm comes in and provides that solution. And this is, I think, what lean can really do for a law firm is to get inside the client's problem in an active way and say, what solution do they really want? You know, people, clients may say, oh, all I want is a will, and therefore I go to LegalZoom, where I think a, a lot of practitioners and trust in the states would say, I'm not selling you a document. I'm selling you, you know, an analysis of your current situations and your goals, and then we produce that document as not the end result, but as just evidence of our analysis and our goals. Great. So I think what I'm hearing you say is that Lean Startup's not just for starting a new law firm, but actually how we deliver services to each and every client in a, in a law firm, whether it's a startup or a, a law firm that's been around for a while. I think that's absolutely true. I think regardless of the size of a business, you can apply these concepts to it. And especially I think big firms may have a unique advantage in that although they may not have the flexibility of a small firm and you know the quote-unquote innovation, what they do have is a lot more data because they have more clients and more cases, and an innovator in a large firm could say, we're going to try an experiment or a new process, and we, we have already tons of data to analyze and look at. Got it. So how would you say, so you did say that the large law firms could take some advantage, but what would you say are some of the benefits of lean or lean startup methodology for small law firms? I think the number one thing for small law firms is it limits your wasted efforts. And specifically in any small law firm, you know, the number one challenge people have, I think, is their time. You know, if they bring in a new big case, you know, they may not want to hire more associates or bring on contract workers. Or in my area, social media law, you know, the case law is fast and furious, and I literally could probably spend eight hours a day just reading new cases. And so you instantly recognize in a small setting, I cannot do everything. How do I find ways to not do things? And I think that's the central message of Lean is, you know, if you write that big complicated business plan, you're going to take 20 steps. In Lean, we're going to write a plan that has two or three steps, and we're going to test those rigorously. We're going to assert, are these really worth it? And then keep moving forward and adding new steps as we determine step three was useful, step one was not. And then we don't do the other 17 steps in a traditional process we might have had. In breaking it up into the smaller steps, it, it limits waste uh, and, and keeps you focused on things that deliver value to the client. What about, like you said, you've, you've used the word test and experiment a couple times. I imagine that some of these things, the the answer that you get is that it didn't work or that it, the test was unsuccessful. How does that apply in small law firms? Uh, does that help the legal process? Oh, absolutely. I think it applies in so many ways. I think most tests and most assumptions are going to be wrong and the test will be a failure. Uh, and it definitely applies for a small law firm. You know, For example, you may try and staff up to market in a new area and sell these services, and then six months, eight months in, you determine, you know, my 
my service offering or my staffing is not a good fit for what the clients wanted. The lean process would have said, before you spend all this time, know that your assumption may be false and get out there and start talking to those potential clients and really digging into their needs. You know, in, in my own practice, I mean, that is probably the biggest lean technique I use is to say, I need to talk to these new clients or these potential clients, not one, not two, but three times and constantly go back and forth and assess what do they want, how do they perceive social media as part of their practice, as part of their cases. And uh, I found a lot of my early assumptions were very much wrong because they had just a very different view of the logistics of a case, of the, the finances of a case, and I had to go back and keep reassessing what I did. Had I invested a lot more time and effort in something, it would have then made my likelihood of failure much higher. Yeah, so it seems to fly directly in the face of sort of the if you build it, they will come methodology of building law firms uh, historically. And that's exactly it. You know, you and I may say, well, let's partner up because we're going to have a full-service firm and we can handle every client needs soup to nuts. Well, that involves a whole lot of assumptions. It involves us. You and I may have, you know, more conflicts with potential clients. Uh, we're going to have to have a bigger infrastructure and footprint. Uh, the lean process would say, well, wait a minute. Are Chris and Scott being a firm and uh, – is that going to be a good process? What are the assumptions that you guys are making? You're, you and I are making the assumption that we'd refer clients back and forth. Well, that may not actually happen. And so that's how, for law firms, Lean would, would say, don't make those assumptions. Test them first. You know, maybe, you know, for a law firm, you historically go back and say, well, how many clients do we actually refer to each other? What's the quantitative value of those clients? Or going forward, you and I make an agreement, okay, Let's do these referrals, but let's track them and see what actually is happening and what kind of um, satisfaction those clients are deriving. So that's, that's how lean would work for a law firm is to say uh, those assumptions you made, try and find some data, both historical and forward-looking, to test it. Right. So we've talked a little bit about how that, how that works in, in starting a law firm or, or getting a law firm going or deciding whether or not we're practicing in the right area. Or like you said, when you were in an area, getting and understanding what client assumptions are so we can fine-tune the product that we're delivering as far as a practice area is concerned. But how might I also apply lean principles um, to legal knowledge or, or the running of a, of a given case, a specific case or a, or a specific couple of cases? Is there a way that lean applies to taking in a case rather than starting a whole law firm and, and dealing with that case going forward? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. I think, for example, you know, the, the area of e-discovery is a good place where one could apply lean. You know, especially again in social media. And the reason it's a great place to apply it is one, you know, um, you have the concept of batches, batches of data, batches of production, and so you already have baked into the process the idea of, okay, we're going to do something one time and then we're going to look at it. Did we get the results we want? And then we're going to do something uh, the second time and then we're going to do it the third time. And everybody already accepts that maybe the second and third time we're going to do something a little different. The way you'd layer lean over that is you might say, okay, what what are the assumptions baked into the process that we have now for doing e-discovery? And do we genuinely get the results we think we're going to get? Maybe we take batch A, we, do, uh, we give it to contract attorneys, and we take batch B, and we give it to in-house reviewers. And then let's compare the results that we got. So that's how Lean bakes itself in there. Uh, there's so many ways that you can use it, I think, in e-discovery. Social media, e-discovery is another example, because you'll have clients using Facebook entirely different ways. 
you know, uh, even in the same case, maybe you've got a personal injury matter or an employment matter where a person is using Facebook for business purposes as well as personal purposes. And so you can utilize that to test, you know, the lean concept to test, well, what really works, what doesn't work, and then for batch B and batch C, let's roll what we learned into our process and keep the testing going. That would seem to, at the end of the day, result then in deciding what the right process is. Is that right? Absolutely. And I think something that we, we kind of put, um, we, you and I talked about, but we haven't brought up here, is that using this kind of concept means that you can um, enter new ideas, new new challenges, or new new procedures without making it uh, confrontational, without making it judgmental. So if you've got a case where maybe a couple of firms are collaborating or you have attorneys working together, you can say, I've got an idea of this process instead of just saying, well, I think this is how we should do it. I find that when we get into I think and you think, we can't really move forward. Whereas if you say, I have a process to test and test, if somebody's thoughts are wrong, it's not a judgment on that particular attorney. It's a judgment just on, hey, that didn't work. So it can be incredibly valuable just for removing the personal uh, challenges that maybe you have in a case. Yeah, that sounds uh, in, indeed uh, because it seems to remove. Um, you know, it, it, lawyers like to see each individual case a lot of times as unique and uh, uh, standing onto itself. The way you would deal with case A is not going to be the same as case B. But if you break it up, as you said, into little processes um, that uh, that are really just tests, then it takes that sort of ownership of uh, you know I know how to run these type of cases out of it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think it, it encourages people to spread that knowledge much wider in the firm because then you can say, well, here's what the firm agreed we were going to do or here's what the team agreed we were going to do. And then you, you know, as a result of the process, implicitly you say, well, I've got to share this information with other people. So it, it could be, it can be just great to resolve a lot of those, those intra-firm or intra-team challenges of people writing an email at 1030 at night saying, I think X. Exactly. So what is, in your experience in applying these lean principles, what's the impact been on the quality of the services delivered? It's going to increase as long as you, you take the right lessons away in the sense of, of really trying to understand what's the client saying, what am I learning. It's going to increase the quality of the services because going back to that concept of a minimal viable product, you know, putting the product out the door, that is all you need to put out to test your theories, to test what your service offerings are. You're not going to have extras that a client may be unwilling to pay for that are going to take you time to get to them. For example, you know, I think we all recall the days when you could send a very long, detailed memo to a client and they would be happy to pay for something that produces 20 pages of research. You know, now you may test it and say, well, what's the minimum length of an answer I have to give to a client? and get them the value. Maybe some clients would say, you know what, I'm happy getting a paragraph knowing that it's got a 90% of certainty versus others who say, you know what, this is really important to me. I would like a 98% level of certainty, which requires you know, a three-page uh, email. Got it. All right, what I'd like to do now is take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the challenges that law firms face in applying these lean principles. So we'll be right back. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial play in this podcast. Just send us an email at advertising at legaltalknetwork.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. 
Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. All right, we're back, and we're going to continue on with Scott Maloof talking about uh, lean startup principles and how they apply to small law firms. Um, so, Scott, we've talked a lot about the benefits and how lean startup can really help both in making decisions about what practice areas to begin, how to start a law firm, as well as how to manage your cases. So what I'd like to talk a little bit about now is some of the challenges that you see law firms facing in really trying to apply these lean principles. What do you think those challenges might be? Well, I think some of the challenges come up um, in a number of areas. One is we talked about the concept of a minimal viable product, you know, putting that product out the door that is absolute least that the client will accept. In the, in the software world, it's releasing uh, you know, a program or a bit of, a bit of uh, product that isn't very good, that crashes a lot, that maybe stops your phone. Uh, and so that's, you know, that's a key component because by releasing that, that smaller product, you put a lot less effort of creating it and building it, and then you can test more. People say, you know, this really isn't a good product, doesn't work for me. That can really not apply to the delivery of legal services. Um, for one reason, you know, one thing is I may not be able to take a case and say, well, I'm only going to do the social media discovery and you've got to go deal with somebody else for the electronic discovery of email. Uh, that may not work for a client. Uh, secondly, you know, there are a number of ethical concerns. You may not have the ability under the rules of ethics in your particular state to hive off duties or to structure your relationship with a client in such a way that you're testing this minimal viable product. You may need to build a bigger product. And um, third, I think it really can be difficult to ascertain what clients want. We've touched on this earlier because they just don't know. Let me give you a, an example. In social media discovery, uh, a lot of attorneys will call and they'll say, listen, I, I just want a form. Give me, your, give me the best form to request this information, to oppose a request. And that I have to make them try and get them to take a step back and say, just sending out the right form is not going to get you the results you want. You've really got to look at your entire process. And that's what I mean. The, the attorney doesn't get this. It's not just a form. It's a process about how you engage with the client, how you assess their information. And so you need to have that service offering in place, that, that uh, statement of it's not just a form. It's a, here's what we do to get them to test their assumptions or get them to, to understand what you do. Right. So if a minimum viable product, as you said, may not be applicable to delivery of legal services, I think the example you used was uh, I do social media, but not the e-discovery part of it. How do we overcome that? I mean, because that, that does seem to fly in the face of, of, of lean startup, which would say, you know, do the one first and then introduce the other as a product as well uh, later and then maybe put them together. And then that may not fly for, for clients. So how would you advise law firms that want to apply some of these principles to overcome that obstacle? Well, I think this goes back to the number one thing you've got to do is, is sit down and ask yourself, what service am I delivering to this client? What is, what is my exact process? Or what is my exact uh, product? You know, is it a full suite of you have some percolating claim and I'll take care of it, or is it just a much narrower? You call me and I, I give you a piece of advice on uh, a particular uh, intake of a new customer for you, and are there any challenges? So I think that's what you've got to do from the get-go, and then explain and be transparent about the process. So that's interesting, uh, Scott. What I'd like to uh, get my arms around a little bit more than is if clients don't really know what they want, um, can the lawyer who's trying to apply lean do something like maybe just uh, learn more about what the client might want or from experience do some observational techniques that would help to get that information into the process? Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think this comes back to someplace we 
we started with, which is the number one thing to me for lawyers applying a lean process, and again, that being I've got a bunch of assumptions, let me continue to find ways to test them and see which ones are wrong. The number one thing is to have a really deep, complex, ongoing conversation with the client. And let me give you an example. I think it explains it. You know, I said before that attorneys would call and they'd say, oh, I just want a form. That's all I want to do. You know, now with with attorneys who I've talked to a lot or clients have spoken to, the conversation comes in and the questions are much better. They don't say, just give me a form. They say, what's the process that we should be applying to social media in litigation? Or So that is how you're going to use the lean tool is to say, okay, well, what does this client see as their pain point here? How do I add value but keep going back and forth? I'll give you an example of where it didn't work. Uh, I talked to one attorney and I talked about social media discovery and, and you know making estimates of what his clients are doing before he started cases. His particular clients were people who had childhood severe trauma, psychological, emotional trauma, and he said their social media footprint only reinforces my view in my cases that they were damaged early on in life. So anything they post in, on Facebook or on Twitter reinforces that this trauma was suffered early on. I don't need to do intake on that because it only helps me. Whereas uh, an attorney doing a personal injury case would definitely want to do an an analysis and an intake and say, okay, what's this person posting? Are they posting pictures that are inconsistent with their injury uh, after the date the injury occurred? And so, you know, the lean process would say you've got to talk to both of those people because, you know, Attorney A is never going to buy your services. There's no value there, but Attorney B is, and you're only going to offer and build the service that Attorney B needs, not Attorney A. So from the client's perspective, is a lean methodology that an attorney applies in his or her practice better? Is it demonstrably better from the client's perspective? I think so. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, an hourly rate or a fee is going to be determined uh, by the inputs. And what I mean is, uh, the market may say one's rate is you know 200 an hour, 300 an hour, 400 an hour. Uh, but from the provider side, if if $200 an hour is the market rate, you know you've got to have inputs that say I can do this for 200 an hour and make a living. That's what Lean helps you to do is get rid of inputs that don't add value that the client says at 200 an hour I'm not willing to pay for. You know, an example might be, you know really swank office spaces. The client may say, that adds no value in my particular you know, circumstances, so maybe you can have people work from home and have a smaller footprint or you know, something like that. So that, that's how it does, it adds value. It, it continually challenges those assumptions that go into what you've put in your business model. Yeah, and I think if we look around, I think we could both agree that uh, among many law practices around the country, um, there's a lot that goes on in a law firm from, as you mentioned, the office space to um, the processes that are currently used that have no focus whatsoever on what brings value to the client. Oh, exactly. Like newsletters. You know, uh, um, even if your newsletter is fantastic, if your client gets 50 newsletters, uh, then it may not impact them. Maybe you'd be better off following that particular client on Twitter because you see that their their children are playing in uh, the same baseball league or you know have the same interests that your kids do and so you could get rid of the you know this would be where you'd formulate the test certain clients 
We only fo- we follow them on Twitter and we interact with them that way. Other clients only get the newsletter. And which of these two has a, has an ROI for maybe developing new clients or bringing bringing old clients along and getting more business out of them? So you could actually apply lean principles to your marketing efforts as well. Absolutely. I mean, I've done it in my own practice. I've seen that, for example. One test was if I send a very detailed plan or I communicate a detailed plan for dealing with social media discovery, will I get the attorney to contact me back and say, let's engage, let's, let's implement your plan? And ironically, you know, I'm an attorney, you're an attorney, we love words and we love reading. You know how it goes when you give a presentation and everybody looks down at the page, you know, and you're saying, I'm up here talking, watch me. <laughs> so sending detailed plans. That, that's why we do radio. <laughs> <laughs> I would send detailed plans, and the response was not nearly as high as merely communicating on the phone with some bullet point type issues. And so that was my own example of a test that was totally counterintuitive. And then let's take that a step backwards. To develop each individual case and develop a detailed plan, that takes time. That's my input that's really limited. And so the lean model would say, you know, instead of developing all these detailed plans and sending them out and going, okay, who's coming back in? You'd say, let's run this test of calling clients back with a plan versus sending a detailed plan and which one is is getting you a better return and thereby shedding hours that I might have done you know, on a lot more detailed plans. And so it sounds to me, uh, but just confirm, if you will, you, you've had some success implementing these principles in your own practice. Oh, absolutely. I think success, you know, not just looking at marketing, but again and again saying, what can I do? What should I do? What should I not do? Um, when I got started, you know, tons of advice from attorneys about this is what you need to do and that's what you need to do. And a lot of them were very structured in that they weren't bad ideas and they were good things to do. But were they high enough on the list to make them worth the money or the time to do them? And that's, and I think, again, that's how we come back to this lean concept, which is everybody starting a business, everybody implementing a new idea is going to have 50 to-dos. And that none of them are necessarily bad. They're not horrible. But, you know, again, what's, what are the five that you need to do to get you to the stage where this project really has started rolling? That's the concept of lean. Okay. And so have you been able to do anything to um, measure or understand the impact that it's had on your practice using these principles? Well, I'll tell you, it's funny. Um, that's a really good question because as attorneys, you know, we, we have that, there's that old stereotype of we don't like numbers and we don't like measuring. Uh, you know, I've used a little bit of internal measuring to, to see, you know, how frequent are, are contacts coming in and things like that. But what I'd say for attorneys is if you're not excited about quantitative measuring, look at qualitative measuring. And what I mean is, you know, we earlier talked about having those multiple communications with clients. More, I would say, is measure what's the quality of the inquiries that are coming in from clients. Have they gone from, I have a problem, or give, you know, give me a form, or give me a quick solution to, hey, you mentioned there's a, a new way to track this, or a new way to do this. Let's talk about that. So it goes from just give me the simple shot, Doc, to, hey, Doc, how do I implement a a plan to lower my cholesterol and exercise? That's what you're doing. That's a qualitative measure as opposed to the quantitative, maybe how many calls are you getting, how many many emails about a service. Right. If one really went nuts with lean um, and, and, you know, applied this to every – I could see, like, I mean, we've talked about applying it to starting up a firm or starting up a new practice. We've talked about applying it to how we run our cases. We've talked about applying it to how we do our marketing. 
Um, is there any room left if you really go and apply lean? Is everything data-driven or is there any room left for gut or intuition and in how we still do things? That's a great question. And I think the answer is absolutely. You have to have gut and you have to have intuition. Because if you go back to where we started, if you have a gut feeling or you have an intuitive feeling, that's how you build an assumption set. That's how you build a business plan and that's how you start testing it. If you didn't have those, there's nothing to test. So, you know, for example, you might, you know, when I first started this, my intuition was uh, 50 lawyer and smaller firms need someone to help them with electronic discovery in general, the whole suite. And as I went through and, and tested and pushed with that, you know, it became clear that that assumption was a little too broad and that it was not a viable business. And so I had to kind of keep playing with my gut. Well, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And my gut was as I saw social media case law coming down and social media technology going up, it was, you know what, maybe just focusing on social is the way to go as opposed to trying to offer that full suite of ESI. And, and so you gotta, you've got to have that gut. And that's another lean technique that we haven't really touched on is the pivot, where you, you look at all the work you've done, what you've, what you've learned, and then you say, is it time for me to pivot and, and address, you know, who am I trying to serve? Law firms are, you know, once you get a client, you want to do everything for that client. But maybe that's not the best solution. Maybe you need to, again, as I say, pivot and say there are five or six clients who we, our current business model can really serve and we need to focus on how do we add new things for that. And again, it goes back to, you know, now you say there are services that those, you know, bottom 20% of clients, and that's not a pejorative in any way, but those bottom 20% of clients demand, maybe we stop spending on that. So that's another another thing. Yeah. And the pivot, I mean, sounds like something that, that lawyers can have some difficulty with, which is basically not just taking the data and being, you know, being attentive to data, but taking action on that data, which sometimes means admitting that our, our initial assumptions weren't entirely correct. Oh, absolutely. And that's where, again, Lean can provide that safe space, to, to use a term, uh, which is we implemented this process, we tested it, and, you know, the results show some of the things you've been doing were not good. And now you have a, a safer way to maybe rejigger what you're doing with your partners or other attorneys uh, because it's a process. It's not just me saying, Chris, I think, you know, you cost the firm too much money and you bring in too little. So that's, that's key. Um, you know, in my own practice, for example, in just doing social media, yet again, I had to do a little bit of a pivot and say the criminal side is not going to be as good a place for me to focus my efforts. I'm more focused on personal injury, employment, uh, as well as commercial cases because the case law in, in criminal is so voluminous and so different from the case law and process you have in civil that it just would not be possible for me to focus on both areas and do them well and add that. So the MVP in this case becomes, all right, I'll talk to criminal people. I want their input, but I'm not really going to focus on them as a service. I'm going to focus more on those other three areas. That makes a lot of sense. So as we get close to the uh, end of the show, Scott, do you have any uh, anything we can give to our listeners as sort of a takeaway that they could implement today, how to get started with Lean? Yeah. First thing is just don't get all hung up on the concept of experimenting, on the concept of I've got to institute this new process. I, I'm sure everybody listening has way too many things to do, and they don't want anyone to tell them, here are 10 more things you have to do. I would say just look at one thing, which is, 
that back and forth with your clients or with potential clients of what do they really value, you know, uh, asking them that. And then trying to apply it yourself and say, well, what, what's that goal they're trying to get to? What can I do that maybe they don't even get that I can do to do that? Secondly, I would say, you know, look at some of the materials on Lean Startup, such as the Lean Startup by Eric Ries, uh, which is available as an audiobook. All of these things are audiobooks, so download them and listen to them in your car so that you can get specific real-world examples and you can just start creating. And that's, uh, R, is that R-E-I-S? Uh, R-I-E-S. And the book is called, quote, R-I-E-S. Yep, The Lean Startup. And it's just one. I mean, there are plenty of different method methodologies and plenty of different people writing in this area. Fantastic. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Unbillable Hour, uh, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Our guest today has been Scott L. Maloof, and thank you so very much, Scott. Really appreciate uh, your participation today. Well, thanks for the great questions and the opportunity. Not at all. You can learn more about Scott at uh, www.scottmaloof, that's S-C-O-T-T-M-A-L-O-U-F.com. Scott's uh, Twitter handle is at Scott Maloof, S-C-O-T-T-M-A-L-O-U-F. And he also is at LinkedIn, on LinkedIn as well as uh, www.linkedin.com slash IN slash social media attorney. Remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at thelegaltalknetwork.com or on iTunes. Thank you for joining us, and we hope to see you again soon. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with Legal Talk Network. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu interactive or download PLI's mobile app.